Welcome to the Musketeer Minute, the place for all of the best news and notes coming out of Redbud High School School Counselor's Office. And now, the host of your show, Mr. Gieber! Hello, Musketeer Nation, and welcome to the Musketeer Minute. Today's bonus feature is an interview with Tech Sergeant Elise Stamey, U.S. Air Force recruiter. She clears up any questions that you have about the Air Force and the recruitment process. She even puts the hard sell on me to join up. Contrary to popular belief, I'm actually not too old to enlist. Although I don't think Mrs. Gieber is going to approve that one. But enough about me. Here goes. Welcome. Welcome to the Musketeer Minute. I really appreciate you coming on today. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself um, for the, the listeners there. Hello, everyone. I am Tech Sergeant Elise Stamey. I am with the United States Air Force uh, Recruiting Office out of Fairview Heights, Illinois, local Air Force recruiter. So if you guys have any questions, concerns, anything like that whatsoever, please feel free to contact me. I will leave you my phone information. And then Mr. Adam also has my information as well. And um, your information is also posted on, on our website. So if the students go to the student services page on the website, um, there's a whole list of military recruiters. So all that information is posted there for students as well. Great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, okay, so I'm just going to dive in with the questions then. Um, so please explain the recruiting process. How does it work? Start to finish. Okay, so first and foremost, because COVID is a thing right now, we definitely want to make sure we're taking your health and safety into consideration first and foremost. So uh, if you're interested, you have questions, we prefer people to give us a call at this time to our office phone number or my phone number. I'm more than happy to answer any questions you have. Uh, but we usually like to try and see if you're actually qualified first. So if you have any hard-hitting law violations, if you haven't graduated yet, if you um, have any serious debt, which I'm sure isn't applicable to most, but just a gee whiz, there's a lot of factors that go into whether a person is truly qualified to join or not. So we usually screen for that to try and make sure that the Air Force is a good fit for you and you're a good fit for us. Uh, and then we kind of work from from there. So ASVAB testing, uh, getting documentation to support special circumstances, and then we work on um, processing you. So we sign some forms. You basically agree to maintain professional relationships. Uh, you understand safety concerns and things like that, things that will be coming up in the future training-wise. Um, and then you're basically sworn into our delayed entry program. And that's the time frame a member is sworn into the Air Force, but they're waiting to be matched to a job. Gotcha. And then once you're matched to a job, you ship off to BMT. And I'm more of a mentor supervisor from that point, a tool in your back pocket from there. Cool. So they can still reach out to you uh, if they got questions about stuff. Absolutely. And that's my favorite part about the Air Force in general. Uh, as a recruiter, I don't get to have airmen too often, which sure. is people looking up to me. And that was my favorite thing is, you know, kind of pouring what knowledge and experience I have into somebody else to, you know, hope, hopefully that they're taking that knowledge and learning from my mistakes and set up for success more at an earlier time than I was. And, you know, they're more ahead of the curve that way. 
Sure, that's awesome. That's great to yeah. have, that they could always have you as a resource. Absolutely, and I've I've done a plethora of things. I've deployed a handful of times. I've loved the past eleven years that I've been in. I know a lot of people, so sometimes it's not what you know; it's who you know. For sure. So, you know, connections at the Pentagon, connections overseas, Germany, Hickam, you name it. I have somebody somewhere, um, and I'll find the answer if ever they have a question about something. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, um, why should a student join the Air Force? So it's truly, it comes down to what you want to pursue in life. Uh, in my personal opinion and my story, I just wanted to achieve something that was greater than myself. I wanted to serve my country and have a sense of pride and honor about myself. That was me. I didn't really care for college. It wasn't gelling for me at the time. I tried a year of it and, you know, I was just burnt out after going through high school and all that. You right. suddenly ask, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And it's like, that is a huge question for an 18 year old, <laughs> let alone a 30, 31 year old now, like to answer. I still don't really know, but I'm doing all right. And thank sure. God. Sure. <laughs> Um, so if you want to travel, if you're looking for a steady paycheck, medical insurance, which is a huge thing right now, yes. security, a lot of jobs are closing down and people are struggling and maintaining just their lives. Uh, the Air Force has covered us 110% the whole time. So if you want education, you name it, there's something there for anyone with the Air Force for sure. Cool. Okay, do you have any uh, special incentives to join? Absolutely. So the Air Force at this time is heavily seeking people who are interested in special warfare, mechanical fields, and electronic or communications fields. Um, with at that, not just that, but if you want to do like general, admin, anything like that, well over 130 different career field options, there's... Uh, multitude of programs that can shred out from that so if you want to cross train if you want to become an officer commission uh, and then there's special duties like what i'm doing right now uh, that you can take advantage of so where i was going with that there's a program called air force cool which you can take advantage of if you're not interested in going into college right away or even down the line you can get certifications um, using that program as well. So for me, because support is my primary job, I can take advantage of becoming a hospitality manager. I could take advantage of becoming a personal trainer and getting those certifications under my belt. So when I do decide to retire or separate, I can take advantage of that. The Air Force, for sure, is really good about taking care of you before, during, and after. Um, I don't want to talk smack about the other branches. I love <laughs> you guys. There's pros and cons to each. It's just what suits you best. But for us, for sure, quality of life during and making sure you're set up for that civilian life afterwards is what we're best known for. Awesome. Yeah, because, you know, it is a bit of a transition um, when people come. You know, I, I have several family members that have been in, coming out. There's quite a bit of transition that goes on there whenever you're entering the civilian life again. It There really is. And there's a lot of people that are worried. You know, if you join straight out of high school, it's literally all you've known. So right. like to be in a civilian world where, you know, something as simple as having to choose what you're going to wear. <laughs> drive you insane. So you can 
have plenty of doors open. Again, it's not what you know, who you know. Maybe you want to stay around the military culture. You fell in love with it, kind of like what I'm planning to do. I want to go into a GS contracting position afterwards and still somewhat be affiliated, but a little more lax. So it's kind of like easing back down the step ladder. Right. Um, yeah, but I can definitely understand it being a struggle, but the Air Force does a program called TAPS, which is uh, basically structured to help you write a resume, help you start getting those conversations going with employers that are looking to pursue specifically military experienced people. And they do really well at making sure you're set up for success as much as possible as the uh, veterans you know, unemployment rate and homeless rate is definitely a concern and something that we're all trying to get after. And that's one of the programs they put in place that is required for you to attend before you separate. That's awesome. That sounds like a great program and really helpful. I mean, I, I know every kid kind of needs that help. Um, and, you know, yeah. uh, it's just nice that they're supporting you in that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. And not even just kids, like adults. Oh, yeah, sure. Adulting is <laughs> for sure yeah no even now like uh you know having been through uh, i don't know how many interviews and whatnot it still kind of you know puts you on edge or whatever and and just filling out their resume and stuff you're always kind of you know, worried about what you're putting down and having somebody else look over it that's a great great tool to have yeah overwhelming it can be so uh, tons of resources always in, in the air force that you can take advantage of for sure that's great okay so Options as far as like Air Force active duty or Air Force Reserve, Air Force ROTC. What does that look like? Um, what do you recommend as far as like, I, I'm sure it depends on the kid, but can you tell us a little bit about those and how that works? Absolutely. Um, so I can only tell you what I know and what I've gathered from others. I'm strictly active duty enlistment uh, recruiter, and we have a specialized recruiter in most every other area. So if you want to do junior ROTC, if you want to go to college ROTC and then commission with a bachelor's degree, we have a specific person that we can get you in touch with that will help set you up for the things that you need to accomplish in order to make that happen. So, you know, like a letter from your congressman might be something, you know, perfect score records, grades going forth, no law violation issues. There's going to be a few things that are similar to our process, but it's definitely a lot more competitive and stringent for rightful reasons, right? If you're wanting to commission and become an officer, you're going to be entrusted with a ton of responsibility, leadership, um, and you're going to get paid for that extra schooling effort and all the additional potential stress that you're about to endure, but it's healthy stress for sure. So there's certain boxes they want to make sure that you meet and check before you go into that process. For us, we're a little more lax. It's still competitive. We want to make sure you have relatively good ASVAB scores in order to get you into our jobs. As long as you get above a 50 um, general overall score, we can find something that you can plug into. It's not too bad. Um, and it's, it's not something like you need a letter from your congressman or anything like that. It's just a matter of like, have you done drugs? If no, if great. If yes, what was it? When was it? medical concerns, how's that look, and then law violations. Those are usually the three biggest ones. And then your height and weight does factor into it as well. So there's a certain standard we need to meet. 
but that's something within our control, easy to fix. And we get after it together as a team and move forward for us. It's relatively easy to process as long as you meet those three big hard hitting ones fairly well. Um, and then for the regard reserves, biggest difference between us and them is the age you can collect on retirement and the amount or number of coverage as far as benefits go. So it might be a little less for the guard reserves because you're literally going to your job maybe once a month to check in, do your PT test, doing emails and quick admin stuff, and then you're out doing your personal civilian job on the side unless you sign for an active contract. Um, which that's a whole nother thing. But if you basically don't want to leave home and you want to stay around your family in your one area, maybe in Illinois, uh, then the Guard Reserves is definitely the best avenue to look. Uh, they do deploy every now and then. You get a say in when you want to take advantage of that. Um, but otherwise, nine times out of ten, you won't be touched to go anywhere. For active duty enlisted side, you're basically doing the job 24 seven around the clock and you go to wherever the air force needs you to go. So if you'd like to travel and see the world, like I did, um, I'm from four hours down the road, Indiana. So there's not a whole lot around here to do. Besides <laughs> <laughs> getting in trouble. I don't know. Sure. But, uh, I wanted to get out. So I was blessed to spend two years in Germany and three years in Japan. And I've been all over the place since. So I've loved every minute of it. So again, just what you want to pursue. True. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So what really goes on in uh, basic training? So basic training is designed purely to break you down and build you back up. So the civilian life, you're used to picking what you wear. You're used to choosing how your hair looks, how your face looks, how this, that, and the fourth is down to, nope, you get up at zero four, you're going to go to PT first thing. You're going to make sure you fold your clothes a certain way. You're going to make sure you're looking to out for the person to the left and right of you. The intent is to conform you or help you adjust to the mentality of a military mindset. And it's very stressful at first, I'm not going to lie, but if I can do it, I swear anybody else can do it. Um, it's intended to put you under pressure, but pressure makes diamonds, I believe. So as long as you keep telling yourself you're going to make it through, uh, then you will. And you'll be 20,000 times prouder of yourself after you get through it because it is the greatest feeling once you finally hear that you've graduated and you're done. Um, so the whole intent of it is just to kind of put you under pressure, get you to operate as a team instead of just an individual and kind of help you understand what the military culture is all about. Gotcha. That makes sense. So as far as like you're learning a lot of things. So what's really the balance between like classroom training, physical training? How does that work? Yeah, good question. Um, so physical training it's intended to, there's a PT test that we have to pass every year, depending on how well you do potentially every six months. So they're looking at that in some form or fashion, nothing's come down the pipe yet, actually delayed because COVID is a thing and they want to try and preserve health and safety. Uh, but at this time, it sounds like BMT is still going through physical training of sorts. And the intent is not so much 
challenge you or stress you out. It's to ensure that you have lifelong health habits instilled in you. So health and fitness is important. It should be for everyone. If you're not busy making that small effort every day on that, then eventually in the long run, you're going to have a lot of other problems taking medicine every day just to get out of bed the right way or something like that. So it's a good mindset to adopt. And that's the intent of it is just to make sure we're maintaining a relatively healthy, ready for uh, so that way we're able to execute our mission downrange. If ever. And then uh, the other question was for training in the classroom. So there's a multitude of things in BMT that you need to learn. So something as simple as how you need to wear the uniform is something that they will teach you there. How to do your hair, how to you know make sure your face is supposed to look, shaving and all that good stuff. Um, it gets more in detail like the Air Force Doctrine and... Um, um, you know, chain of command and things like that. But they take the time in the classroom to break things down and truly explain what it is and what the importance of it is and how it impacts you or will in the future. So that's basically the classroom portion. Sure. So so no beards then, huh? No beards. No beards. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I think I'm a little too old for the Air Force anyway. So. Ah, 30. <laughs> how old are you? You can't I'm, be. A I'm 35. See, you can join. So just up. As long as you are um, 39, 40 years old, by the time BMT comes around, you are good to go. So I actually had my first 38-year-old come in yesterday from Muscuta. Wow. Um, so that, yeah, it's not an uncommon thing because, like I said, job security is a problem right now. And there's people struggling everywhere, every age. Doesn't matter. We're happy to help however we can. Sure. I'll have to run that by Mrs. Giebert first. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So what kind of condition do you need to be in at the start? So you, you talked about um, how you would work with students um, as far as like getting them to where they are in the physical condition they need to be in as far as height, weight. Um, but do like, I need to do like a certain number of push-ups or sit-ups or, you know. That is a very broad question that I can't be too specific with just because age and gender plays a role into how you would need to do. So AF 362905 covers that. You can Google it and it breaks down each chart category that way if you want specifics. Uh, for generic people who are coming in and in my depth, I just want to make sure that they're practicing on it and that they're getting used to the habit of trying to do something. Majority of people these days don't do anything and they do what's obligated in high school and maybe call it a day or they're involved in sports pretty heavily and they're good to go. There's usually minimal in between. So um, if they come to me, they're struggling or overweight, 10 pounds or so, I have... Um, fitness experience in my background. So I am able to kind of prescribe them like a personal plan and recommend them adopting these dieting tips, adopting this type of a training plan, just showing me that you're creating a 500 calorie deficit each day and you're trying to be active. Um, and that usually gets them on track. So it's, it's broadly open to the member. I don't, nobody really likes to be told what to do, especially when it comes to fitness. So if it's kind of like a recommendation, here's what you can do, choose something and then roll with it. 
nine times out of ten, they're more apt to actually apply it and try it and and be successful with it. So that's what I kind of do. Here's the tools, you apply it. So you know, whenever we're in the depth, though, we're obviously practicing for pa- pra- passing. Forgive me, passing the PT test. Sure. So sit-ups and running, those are the main things to pass ours. But it's nothing too strenuous because we don't want you to do too much too soon and actually injure yourself. And then that could kind of hinder you from shipping for BMT at, at the time you're supposed to. So, Gotcha. Where does that uh, BMT take place? Are there different places or is it just one place? Or So when COVID was heavily going on last year it it got split into two different locations but they closed down the other one i believe it was somewhere over in florida or so but that area got closed down and is back to lackland so it's 100 percent uh seven and a half weeks at lackland which is in texas cool okay um so what are drill sergeants like you know you can watch the movies and see that whole thing but is that what it's really like or sort of like <laughs> Okay, so it is not like Full Metal Jacket or anything <laughs> like that. Um, you can watch all the YouTube videos you want, and some of it may have some accuracy. But uh, most MTIs are not going to target you if you don't make yourself a target. And what I mean by that is you come in with pink mohawk hair, and you have this huge I'm Air Force proud or something, and just clearly standing out in a crowd they will target you and and kind of put you in check like hey you're not in my air force yet you need to earn that first so if you put yourself in this situation nine times out of ten you might get you know smoked as we like to call it but they cannot abuse their powers either so they are entrusted to take care of everyone's children who are now becoming adults and they need to instill certain behaviors certain habits within you and they have to do it in a healthy way not in a abusive power way so when i went through it was very full metal jacket type of But it's a new generation up and coming, and they had to do a reassessment and reevaluation of how the curriculum was structured and how TIs were delivering that curriculum to them. And there was a couple of them that were abusing their power in my time. So investigations happened and things got changed. So I'm not saying that you won't get put on your face, which is push-ups. They have a certain time frame that they can apply They have a certain amount of times per day that they can do that, but it all has to be for a reason. It can't just be, well, he messed up because his hair was all foobard. No, it's got to be as a team. They were not understanding this topic of the curriculum. Therefore, they were put on their face for X amount of minutes, and then we tried it again, and it actually worked that time. So, you know, BMT is is intimidating, it's definitely a lot better these days. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to hear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what what percent of people actually graduate and make it into the Air Force? Um. So nine times out of ten, majority of them do. The only reasons why they may not is uh, they could be discovered or uncovered as a false. Um, false applicant indoctrinated so maybe they lied on something in a background investigation 
finally pulled something out and then domino effect we found out that you committed fraud in whatever state country and then you'll get disqualified that way um there's also medical if you get injured terribly for whatever reason doing fitness or something along those lines or if you can't even pass the fitness test they may wash you back or recycle you but you got to keep in mind the air force invested so much time and money in you at that point because it costs to get somebody asvab tested and it costs to get you medically assessed um, so they're going to try and save you as much as you can and give you attempts to like re-attack academic failures. Maybe um, they'll give you job like counseling one-on-one -on -one sessions because maybe you're not good at test taking. They'll give those opportunities for the issue to be corrected before they give you the boot. Um, I've heard it's very different in the other branches. They're quick to kind of be like, nope, bye. But for the Air Force, we do our best to try and rehabilitate or redirect before that becomes a thing. So majority usually make it through. Gotcha. Um, okay. So you talked a little bit about learning how to, uh, well, actually let's, let's go back a question here. Sorry. Uh, can two friends go through basic at the same time? Is that so there, that's a good question. And it's a common one. Um, so unfortunately the buddy system, that's what it used to be called from my understanding is no longer a thing. It was designed to try and plus up the air force's numbers because uh, there's an ebb and flow. Sometimes we need a lot of people. And right now we don't need a lot of people because people want to hang on to their jobs. They're not retiring and things like that. So um, ebb and flow, we needed people desperately at that time. So they created the buddy system, finding that, you know, a lot of high schoolers were wanting to come in and kind of go through the experience together, ship off together. Uh, that's no longer a thing, even though uh, I do my best to try and make that happen as much as I can. But your medical situation might be different from my medical situation. So I fly through the process and you kind of get hung up because they're looking at your stuff. So it's hard to determine when exactly that that would happen, but we'll try and keep you in line with each other as best as we can, but we can't guarantee it. Sure. Okay. You talked a little bit about haircut and that sort of thing. So um, do women receive military haircuts too? <laughs> I mean, obviously you don't, you don't have like a, you know, the high and tight. Yeah. There's a bun back there. Yeah, there's <laughs> <laughs> so how does that work? So is it like BMT or like all year round? Well, so let's talk about BMT and then let's talk about like when you're actually in the Air Force doing your thing. Okay. So because we have new up and coming generations, our fitness, well, our standards for, you know, professionalism, appearance, dress and appearance, that's what our reg's called, is always changing. So it used to be 100% natural hair color for your skin complexion, and now it's 100% just as long as it's a natural hair color. We don't care. So in my day when I went through BMT, they were not fans of flyaways, which are those little stringy things, little wispies. So 100% everything had to get gelled down, 100% hairspray everywhere. Uh, and I just went in and I cut it all off. I had a, a bob cut and I had to put hair gel on it still. So um, as long as it in BMT does not have any flyaways, it has a professional appearance about it. We can't have loose hanging ponytails unless it's in our fitness attire. Um, 
other than that, there is a standard that we have to abide by. Even males, um, you guys are not allowed to have hair touching the tips of your ears and it has to, sideburns have to cut off at the opening of your ear. Um, there's a, you know, dress and appearance AFI out there, 362903, not 2905. Those ones are very similar, but 2903 covers the dress and appearance regs for us. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's natural appearance and clean cut and it's not like a, a trendy or faddish type of hairstyle. So for a little while, because it's, it's a thing right now where most men are getting the sides taken in and then they're doing kind of like that part and that comb mm -hmm. over, which I love that haircut is my favorite. It's super clean um, looking and professional. But at the time that it first came out, the air force regs did not allow that. And I actually had a chief get on my airman about that and i was like chief he looks professional in my opinion and it's a gray reg it's your determination of that reg and i determine it as being professional and she left him you know she was like okay i'm like all right bye <laughs> like, <laughs> that was my determination of it and that's that's that but now it's okay it's accepted it's been changed so True. always changing gotcha gotcha Okay, so when when you're in, how long does your first term last for? Um, and are there different like programs with different lengths, or how does that work? Absolutely. Um, so we just have the four and six year option, and it depends on the individual and what they want to do. So first and foremost, for me, I thought the military was not going to be for me. I was terrified, scared, knew for sure I was going to hate it. Just wanted to serve my country four years, and that's that. I'm out. Here I am, 11 years later, like, wishing I would have chose the six year, because what's two more years? Um, and that's extra money in your pocket. So the biggest difference between the two is the money in your pocket coming out the gate, the timeline it takes for you to make rank. So if you come in with two stripes, you're going to make three stripes that much quicker, which leads to four, so on and so forth. Um, we have a program called BTZ which would be open to you at a suitor time. And then you could also have the ability to cross train into a different job at a sooner time. Uh, so we cannot guarantee jobs in the air force. It's your qualifications and what comes down to us at that time. We do our best to try and rack and stack your favorites or what you would like to do the most. You have the means of listing up to 20 jobs that you would like to qualify for or go for. And then it's kind of like playing roulette from there. I usually break this down a little more when they come in office. Sure. I won't get too much now. But it's kind of like playing roulette. So um, where was I going with that? I'm sorry. What was your question again? It was about uh, different programs and different program lengths. Right. Um, so the contract-wise, for the for what I mean by um, being able to cross-train at a sooner time, so because you have to play roulette with the job, sometimes maybe you come in with something that was not your number one pick. It was like your number 10 pick out of that 20 that you listed. So we usually let you know you can still use us as a stepping stone. You don't have to have that dream job, but you still get your college. You still get the travel and you still get to serve your country as well. Are you willing to lose all of that for, you know, not having your immediate dream job out the gate? Nine times out of 10, they're like, no, I want to leave. I need to go. Like, let me get started. So it's kind of meeting us halfway, and then they can take advantage of cross-training at a sooner time. So biggest difference between the two. 
Gotcha. So they may not be able to choose their first job specifically, but that cross training kind of allows them to maybe move into that later. Absolutely. So it's it's not like an end-all be-all. You have the opportunity to cross-train, you have the opportunity to commission, you have the opportunity to go into special duty like I'm doing right now. There's tons of them. So it's it's a stepping stone. The, the opportunities are there that you may want in your future. You just got to take advantage of them and make it happen. Put them in motion. Gotcha. Can you can you describe a couple of different jobs like in in the Air Force? I mean, you guys do a lot of different things, but like what jobs would a student choose from? So 130 career field options, that's quite a few. It ranges from, you know, fitness lodging like myself. It ranges to fire protection like Sergeant Joppy, vehicle management like Sergeant Anderson or um, supply readiness like Sergeant Hinky. Uh, there's also law enforcement, paralegal, there's, let's see if there's anything, there's PME instructors, which would fall into your realm. Sure. Um, if you want to go more on the Air Force specific side, we have like cyber communications, we have uh, sensor operators, boom operators, bombers, aircraft maintenance. It's, there's a lot. There's weather. I mean, there's special warfare as well, combat controllers, PJs explosive ordnance disposal so if you have an idea of what you want to be when you grow up nine times out of ten there is something that will start you off in the air force and help you transition into that afterwards gotcha sounds good um you had mentioned that you were able to serve overseas and that was kind of one of the driving factors for you do you do you choose that right away or how does that work how do you get abroad okay so once you get through BMC and tech school, they're going, well, while you're in tech school, they're going to give you a list and say, okay, Adam, where would you like to go? And you get this list that's called like a dream sheet. And you put all the places that you would like to go. If you want to stay close to home, which some do, then you list, you know, Scott Air Force Base, Wright Pat, all the places that are close by. And they'll do their best to try and send you in that location if your job goes there. So if you have a very specific airframe that you're working on or you're a bomber, we try and counsel you and let you know beforehand that, hey, these jobs are mainly stateside. Are you only wanting to be stateside or do you want to travel? So if they want to travel, then we try and push them more towards like, hey, law enforcement is at every single base. We have assets and people everywhere that need protected. So why don't you go that route if you truly want to travel instead? And then depending on your job, the needs of the Air Force, they will do their best. Again, playing roulette a little bit. Um, and they'll, they'll try and get you to one of your dream spot locations. So for me, Germany, I think, was number two on my dream sheet. I got that. Gotcha. Awesome. Cool. Um, so how much does a new recruit get paid? And can you talk a little bit about benefits as well? And I know that like kids don't really understand benefits, but I feel like they need to start hearing about benefits because benefits are huge. Like you mentioned earlier, like, uh, retirement, education, health benefits, like all that stuff makes a huge, huge difference. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's stuff that I wasn't thinking about at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Year olds are rolling up in my office and like, hey, I'm sure I got retirement. I want to make sure. So <laughs> all are doing well at grooming them and getting them ready. And I'm glad you're asking these questions to get them the exposure because I didn't have that. Um, so for benefits, education, if you want college when you get out, because that's brainwashed into you, you have to have it to be successful once you get out. 
Um, that's covered 100% uh, or 100% tuition assistance is there, uh, book fees, anything like that is provided to you. It's a, the CCAF program is an accredited college as well. So that starts as soon as you get into tech school, just learning your job. Um, there's a multitude of things there for education, GI Bill afterwards, post 9-11. Um, so that's one of the biggest ones medical insurance, uh, traveling, a consistent paycheck. So job security, they pay for, you know, the groceries is covered and your gas, anything you really worry about on a day-to-day basis will be covered with your paycheck. And then they give you housing allowance as well. Um, what else would you like? So the gym, I don't have to pay for a gym access. You know, if the air force is going to make me do a PT test every year. They should provide me the facilities. <laughs> so they got people like me working at a fitness center and you get to utilize that anytime you want at every base. There will be one. Uh, there's also things that we provide like information tickets and travel. So there's military discounts that you can take advantage of. And that doesn't stop on the base. It goes out to the civilian sector as well. Um, so what, what, what type of benefit would you be looking for if you were coming to the Air Force? What's something you would want? Well, I would be wondering like about how many times can I see a doctor or a dentist or who pays for that or how does that work? You know, well, my perspective is a little different now that I got the girls at home and I'm looking at all those doctor bills and whatnot. Well, you're telling me that because this is helping me answer your question. So, sure. med- is 100% in covered. So you only, I, it, depending on your location, you only have to pay a small amount each year. So right now I think mine's like $7, maybe 11. That's automatically deducted in an allotment for medical uh, coverage. But dental is completely covered. My shots, everything. You get a head to toe full up exam once a year that is required and if you have anything extensive or intricate that you need special um, attention on like pregnancy they or you know acne or special surgeries they will send you off base to a civilian provider and you'll get the treatment there and it's nine times out of ten a hundred percent covered by medical special situations will arise if you have kids um, you may have to pay for like braces or something like that but nine times out of ten everything will be covered sure that makes sense and that's really nice (laughs) not just you it's for your children as well so my son um falls under me and my husband is active duty as well so my daughter falls under him so both of them are completely squared away under us which helps a lot (laughs) yeah i believe that (laughs) okay um, so like how often you, you mentioned a little bit about like, you know, if you went in, uh, with the different years, you know, having different stripes and, uh, I guess I'm wondering about like promotion and how that works. Um, is that time-based training-based both or yeah. what does that look like? It's kind of a combination of both, uh, your performance, your knowledge is a lot of the first couple of years for the first few stripes. So coming out the gate, if you have college under your belt, if you have civil air patrol experience, ROTC or a scouts award, we can bring you out the gate automatically with E3 airman first class. So that's two stripes. 
Uh, for me, I only did college for a year. I was the first person that wanted to be a hero in my family, so I didn't have any of that fancy stuff. So just the fact that I had over 40-some credits under my belt brought me in with one stripe. Or if you don't have any of that, um, you'll just come in as a slick sleeve or with no stripes. And then depending on time, um, you will accrue stripes over time. So for the first three, it's about four to six months, maybe a year in between each. It just depends if you stay out of trouble and if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then special circumstances apply for the third stripe because you might make over, um, you might make BTZ below the zone, that program I was talking about earlier, and go from the two stripes to the three stripes, which is a senior airman. So uh, that could happen, I want to say, when, when did I come in? I came in 2009, PCS 2012, so maybe like two or three years. Um, that would be the timeline for you to put on Senior Airmen. Uh, and then from there, you usually test each year till you make Staff Sergeant, which is the four stripes. And then, so Staff Sergeant and Tech Sergeant are both test-related. So you have to study material and actually take a test and have relatively good EPRs, which is like our report card equivalent for students. Gotcha. Um, and that all factors into whether you get considered for promotion or not. And then once you make it past that tier, then it goes into the senior NCO level, which is basically a board. And they're purely just looking over your awards, decorations, and your report cards. Um, and then they consider you for it or, or not. So it's a matter of time and it, it it differs for everyone, um, but you can usually expect to hopefully make something on average promotion-wise at least every two years or so, two or three. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. So you keep working your way up and, and that sort of thing. Yep. All the way to Chief E9. Yep. Awesome. Okay, so you you choose your, your kind of – or you put down your list of careers, what, what kind of training comes after basic? Do you like, they send you off right away? You know, how does that work? Like, do you go to a school for something or yeah. what happens? So for me, I went to BMT at seven and a half weeks right now, but it was eight and a half weeks for me at the time. And then my, my tech school was literally right down the road from BMT, which Blackland. So it was Medina, San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and it was six weeks long. It was not long at all. And they take you and those who are going into the same career field as you, and they put you all together in a classroom form again, but they're strictly going over what your job entails and how to do those jobs. So for me, uh, it was a lot of here's how to execute things in um, hospitality and fitness and mortuary affairs. Here's what you would need to do on this computer system, um, customer service skills, things like that. For other individuals, it might be something more hands-on, like uh, here's a vehicle, here's some brakes, here's how you would dismantle an engine. Um, that may have been, you know, Sergeant Anderson's case for Joppy. You know, here's a fire extinguisher and here's a fire hose. And these compounds react to this type of chemical. This causes this and this type of uh, extinguisher will put it out or make it worse. So it's literally breaking down everything specific to your job and kind of giving you a baseline foundation to build on more once you get out into the field. So... Um, I say six weeks and you're like, dang, that's a lot of stuff 
packed into six weeks, you can't really be effective at your job. No, but the intent is to kind of give you an idea. So that way, when you are released to the staff sergeants and NCOs of your work field, like myself, when I say I had an airman, that would be my job to then take you and make sure you're groomed and prepared and successful in the career field doing the hands-on job. Gotcha. So like those schools, how good are those military job training schools? Cause you know, we talk a lot about like college and then you get into a real job and then, you know, like you weren't really prepared to do the real job. How prepared are you when you enter your job? So it depends on you. Are you paying attention in class? <laughs> Like, are we, you know, the first person at the front of the line to be like, let me give it a shot? Or are we like, nah, I don't want to do it. I'm in the back. Like, it's really what you make of it. If you take advantage of it, if you're involved. So I always tell my people, like, you can't teach work ethic and you can't teach attitude. Those are the two biggest things that you either have or you don't have when you come in. And nine times out of ten, I can pick up if you have it or if you don't. Um, if you do you'll be successful in anything that you do in life, especially in the Air Force. And people will see that you have it and they'll they'll pick up on it and they'll make sure they're investing the time in everybody. But if you're actively being proactive and wanting to be that guy that go to the SME subject matter expert, um, then they will empower you. They will give you those responsibilities. They will put more on you to try and keep that pressure applied so you continuously growing and becoming the guy that everybody goes to for whatever questions to get answered. So if you want to be good at your job, pay attention, be proactive, be involved, and you'll be good at it. <laughs> and it does pay off and transition into, you know, the civilian sector as well. So it's not like we're teaching you gee whiz information. Like, like I said, hospitality, I could go run a, a legit civilian hard rock cafe um, hotel if I wanted to right now. It'd just be a matter of, okay, that's where you guys keep your stuff. This is the computer system you use. Cool. Got it. Let's go. Right. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how many times when I'm talking to, to uh, people who are hiring in different industries, like that work ethic, that go getter mentality, everybody brings that up. So mm -hmm. I, I, I can't, I can't mention that enough to students. That's what makes a difference. It uh, really does. And then nine times out of 10 with these kids going to college and a lot of, you know, jobs they apply for and they're like, okay, what kind of experience do you have? And it's like, I just got out of school. How am I supposed to have experience? And it's just mind blowing to me. Where do you expect somebody to get that time in and opportunity if you won't give it to them so at least use the air force as a stepping stone once again and get your foot in the door if you want to become a lawyer get some experience in the law enforcement field with us maybe a couple certifications get some school started and then if it's not for you get out and start capitalizing on that build on it um, and then you can claim that you have that experience. Oh, and by the way, you networked with 20 other people in your workplace who are also still doing it and might know people already in the field. So it's a win-win in my book. For sure. For sure. So uh, we talked a little bit about like uh, transitioning into like college and taking classes. You mentioned the Community College of the Air Force, um, which I, I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, that's available at pretty much wherever you're at. Yes. So it is an accredited college that is basically started as soon as you're in tech school. So for me, I actually have, I told you I don't like school, um, 
I actually have two associate's degrees that have already been started for me. I have maybe four classes away from finishing them. Um, and one is in hospitality, fitness management, and the other one is in human resources because I started recruiting. So it, if I wanted to capitalize and take advantage of those, I could, or I could completely go off track and go do something else on my own and start that college as well. You can pick whatever college you would like to attend as long as it's an accredited college. Um, apply, get accepted just the same way as we would. Because we move around a little bit, we tend to go with online um, facilities, but you, we do have college campuses that come and work on base. Um, so we had Phoenix, um, uh, university, I want to say in Arizona, we had Pima college. So like local colleges, like SWIC is on Scott. Um, so you name it nine times out of 10, we can make it happen for you. As far as education goes, if you want to go to this college, more than likely, we're going to be like, okay, just apply for it. And here you go. Here's the money. Good luck. Hope you pass. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's there. Nice. Yeah. So uh, a little bit more about those tuition support programs. So it, it's 100% paid for or do I have to, you, you mentioned, I don't, I don't even have to earn like certain grades to keep it or how does that really work? So it will be 100% tuition assistance is provided. The only catch for it is if you do fail. So if you see yourself coming up on like, hey, I'm too stressed out, I'm just not getting it right now, or I don't have the time, um, then you are able to withdraw from the course and nine times out of 10, there isn't re repercussions on you. If you don't withdraw in a certain time frame, and they'll let you know in the beginning, like here's the circumstances you need to meet. If you feel like you can't, here's what you need to do. If you don't do this, then here's the repercussions. So if you don't meet a certain window of withdrawing, then, and you fail, then the Air Force is going to be like, hey, that class was like 600 some dollars. We're going to need you to help us meet halfway and either pay some of that back or um, they'll give you whatever repercussions come from that. So for maintaining a, a grade, they do require you to maintain at least a C average in order to continue on throughout the class and not have to owe anything back. But it's very situational with what kind of um, colleges you go for um, and what opportunities you're taking advantage of. But they'll give you a heads up before you start it so you're well aware um, of all of the things afterwards. Sure. And that's honestly not that much different than just qualifying for like a Pell Grant, and maintaining your financial aid that way. Right. They're going to expect you to keep a 2.0. Very much the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's uh, all of my questions. Did I, is there anything that I didn't ask that you would like students to know about the Air Force? Hmm. I think the biggest thing that I just want to put out there is I know it is stressful and a huge challenge and a change that you could potentially be considering with not just the Air Force, but the military in general. But if you truly have no idea what you want to do in life, if you feel like you have to go to college, but you still don't know what you want to be when you grow up, um, if you're working at Walmart and you're trying to get out of mom's house, you don't like living in the basement, um, you're into bad habits, bad ways, surrounded by a group of friends that could care less about you and are just getting you into trouble. Like those 
you are what we're looking for. Like I genuinely want to help you guys be successful and turn over the leaf to get you on that path. Um, the, you know, the future is, is bright for you as long as you take advantage of the opportunities and start making a plan to execute them. And, you know, 16, 17 years old, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I could care less about adulting, but it's going to come fast and it's terrifying. And I want you guys to know that I'm more than happy to help however I can, even if it's not with the Air Force. I want you all to be successful. So look me up. I'm happy to help. That's all I got. Awesome. We, we appreciate all of your help. And again, uh, all of your information is on our website. Um, you've actually come into Mr. Rogers's weightlifting class at least once or twice. Yeah. So is, has he asked you to come back yet? Um, he said that sessions should be, well, the opportunity will come back up when I visit you guys again. I think I maybe do February timeframe back to your school. Um, awesome. but I'll be working with him. I know COVID is still kind of a challenge. Um, I'm not sure if your guys' policy has changed at all because things are changing. But so I will far, be- so good. Yeah, we've actually we've actually started to get the vaccine, so I'm hoping that that you know improves things. So yes, amen to that. Now, you guys, as far as you guys, do they uh, have they treated you guys with the vaccine yet? Are you one of the first people to get hit? Positioning <laughs> into a mandatory thing. It is not. <laughs> for us right now Paul. Um, there isn't any proven evidence yet you know because they're just rolling it out there hasn't right. been gained, uh, data showing that it's actually good or not so um, I think they're waiting on hearing back some feed you know is it relatively paying off is it doing what it's supposed to be doing before they make it mandatory but it is optional for us right now okay so you could opt in if you wanted to it's totally your choice yeah. Cool. Cool. That's nice to have that available to you. Yes, I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's it for for the the interview. I really appreciate you coming on the show, and thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening, and thank you to Tech Sergeant Stamy. Again, if you have any questions for her, check out the Student Services page on the Redbud132.org website. Her contact information is listed under Military Recruiters. That's all for today. Mr. G out.